Welcome to Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. This podcast is a place for Georgia educators to share and to learn. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, your host. Just glad to be here. We have some important people to thank for this content. Classroom Conversations is presented by the Georgia Department of Education in partnership with Georgia Public Broadcasting. You know what's fundamental to classroom learning in the digital age? Pivotal to the production of this podcast, even. Computer science. Mm. Admittedly, not my wheelhouse. Good thing we have some technical experts, tech experts, standing by. Mm. At GPB Studios today are two women in technology here to take us through computer science education in the elementary classroom bit by bit. Do you like that? We welcome Erin Rayberg, Digital Learning and Media Services Director for Thomas County Schools, and Tamika Grizzle, STEM and Innovation Professional Learning Specialist at Mableton Elementary. Hello, ladies. Hello. Good afternoon. Your titles are fierce. <laughs> Those are fantastic. How are you feeling today, Tamika? I'm feeling great. Okay. She's <laughs> jazzed. What about you, Erin? Excited to be here and have this important conversation. And it is important. Well, you're both rock stars in computer science education. And like rock stars, you're about to amass a whole lot of fans. So get ready for that. Erin, you drove the farthest. So let's start with you. I don't have a prize or anything. But I know Georgia has 159 counties, second only to Texas. Fun fact. And Thomas County is located in southwest Georgia near the state line. What's your school district like? Um, we have about 5,800 students um, in five schools. Um, we are in a rural setting. We are fairly close to Tallahassee, but still very rural, lots of agriculture and um, pine trees. And um, our school district, though, we, we do feel like we're very innovative. We try to be on the cutting edge um, and giving our students the same opportunities as students in any other part of the state. Innovation across the state. Uh, Tamika, you're in the Atlanta metro area in Mableton Elementary, and that's in Cobb County, so you're basically local. What's unique about your school? I love my school. We are a Title I school in Mableton Elementary in Cobb, and we are also one of two elementary schools that are STEM and STEAM certified. Double certifications, (laughs) not boasting or anything. (laughs) Well, can you both describe your roles in science education for our audience? We'll start with you, Erin. Sure. Well, I am the digital learning director. Um, I just oversee all of the software implementation in our district and coordinate the efforts of our K-12 computer science program. Um, Before that, I was a school media specialist and before that, a high school English teacher. So I am not a professional programmer or trained coder, um, but Happy to be the champion and cheerleader for those efforts in our school district. And yet here you are. That's right. And you've had quite a few lives in education, which is impressive. Tamika, tell us about your role. Yeah, so as the Innovation Specialist at Mableton Elementary, I am responsible for maintaining our STEM and STEAM certifications, um, integrating science across the all disciplines, um, school-wide STEM, STEAM events. So anything STEM, STEAM, science, that's me. And like Erin, I do not come from a computer science background or programming. I was a fourth and fifth grade teacher. Then I had a K-5 STEM lab for about five years. And I am currently in my position as Innovation Specialist for three years. Did you say STEM, STEAM, science? Yes. How do you say that 10 times fast? (laughs) That's a mouthful. Let's dive into our subject today. I remember the first time I walked into a computer lab as a young student. Honestly, I probably had a mixture of fear and excitement as a kid. 
But I did love the smell of the computer room, though. All those components, really intoxicating. But I'm curious what that journey is like from a teacher's perspective. So I know you mentioned, you know, didn't specifically have computer backgrounds, but how did you first feel about teaching computer science? Were there were there initial fears because you didn't have that programming or coding background? Erin, yeah. you take this one first. Okay. Um, well, I have never actually been a computer science teacher. I just work more at the district office and helping those teachers have what they need and the professional learning they need and making sure we're keeping our program going and growing. Um, but I have been so impressed um, with all the professional learning I've attended with our computer science teachers at how many resources are available to help the teachers learn along with the students. And so I know we're going to talk um, probably in this conversation about misconceptions and um, fears about implementing computer science, but there are so many resources that really give the teacher um, s- steps to follow and ideas and turnkey programs that will just let their kids get their hands in there um, and get going with computer science and coding and programming. So I was nervous, but I've been pleased with the resources and how fast teachers can catch on and learn along with their students. Those resources do exist. Yes. Awesome. What was your first feeling about teaching or not teaching, I guess, for you either, but supporting computer science? Definitely apprehension. Um, I knew nothing about computer science. I thought it was going to be JavaScript, C++, all the complicated, you know, computer you science language. You already lost me, yes. <laughs> yes, and um, I started, you know, my interest was in robotics, and I saw cute little robots like Sparrow Robotic Balls, Dash and Dart robots where they can move and talk to each other, and different um, robots like Ozobots, and then my specialty is block-based coding, so I am not there with the techie, C+, Java. Yeah, that's not me. But um, (laughs) when I introduced computer science to the students, I was still a little bit nervous. Um, I didn't have a strong background, but I knew that kids are so resilient. They are digital native. They know way more than I do. And so I did start off with code.org and that made me feel comfortable. And I knew when I, you know, taught the basics of code.org, moving characters around, using block-based coding was my safe place. And so that's what I took and um, develop more with me teaching computer science in an elementary setting. Erin foreshadowed this. I, I'm convinced she sees the future, Tamika. So we're going to have to circle up with her after this. But Erin, what are some common misconceptions about being able to teach or implement uh, computer science instruction? Yes. Well, I think um, one misconception is that the teacher has to be the expert. Not true. Not true. Not true. What we've seen happen is the teacher thrives as they learn along with their students. And so, you know, I feel like teachers like to be the expert in the room, but with computer science, it's all about um, learning as you go, about building resiliency, about failing and trying again. And so I think teachers just have to be comfortable with being a little uncomfortable in order to see their students grow. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Any misconceptions you've seen, Tamika? Definitely. I am a huge proponent of introducing computer science at an early age. So my um, favorite time to introduce K- computer science is K2, com- kindergarten through, yep, kindergarten that through second early. grade. I have um, done many um, conferences and um, spoke at conferences about introducing, it's called Stardom Early, K2, Learning with Computer Science. And 
the misconception is they won't understand, they'll get frustrated. But again, that block-based coding is their comfort zone. So as early as kindergarten, they can begin coding. It's not that complicated as people think. So get that misconception out of your head. They can do it. The babies can do it. Put me to shame over here. Anything to add, Erin? <laughs> yeah, I think another misconception is that this is something for our really bright students or our gifted students or something we could do, should or could do in an after-school club. But I think it's really beneficial when we allow all of our students the opportunity to learn computer science and coding. And as Tamika said, start them early. Um, I think if we wait until middle or high school, um, that's too it's, late. It's too late. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not too late, but I just think um, we're going to get their interest earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure we're going to talk about some of the other skills that come along with learning to program and code that are beneficial for students just at that formative age of K-2. Why is a strong foundation in computer science so important for young learners in terms of their educational experience? You want to take this one first, Tamika? Yeah, I think it definitely develops their problem-solving skills. And with computer science, it's taking a problem and breaking it down into smaller pieces to understand and going from the abstract to the concrete. And like Mm -hmm. I said, these kindergartners can do it. So if I work with a group of kindergartners, I would use Scratch Junior. It's an app, computer science coding app. And so if I tell them, you know, have your character walk across the screen and do a cartwheel, that's abstract. It's the, now they have to think, how many steps do the characters have to take to get across the screen? How many rotations do the characters need to do a complete flip? So just, you know, developing those basic four C skills, communication, collaboration, creativity, and critical thinking skills, it's just a life, those soft skills are life-learned lessons that are needed beyond the classroom. And you make another excellent point that working with computers can be creative. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. To echo that, um, I always tell people our kids are consuming technology very early, um, and they may think it's just magic um, how th- games work and um, videos are on YouTube for them to watch all day long if they wanted to. I think it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> so helping them understand the science behind that, I think, is very important. Um, also, to make a mention, problem solving. And, and in a computer science setting, um, it letting kids know it's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up and start over. Um, That's a life skill. Um, Also, these kids are learning to read Mm -hmm. and learning to read. um, There's some logic to it and you have to start at the left and move to the right and um, the same with coding. And so I think it reinforces literacy. It reinforces mathematical thinking, computational thinking, logical thinking. Um, And we sort of have an unspoken rule in our elementary computer science settings that no one programs alone. Um, So it's building in that collaboration as well, which is just vital. You make an excellent point that we're letting students see from a very young age behind the curtain that this isn't magic, Erin, as you've said before, that there is science to it and there's math and a lot of other skills. Let's look into their future a little bit, shall we, and prognosticate here. Let's spit some truth. Data feels appropriate for this conversation. So the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics projects job outlook by profession every decade, and job outlook projects the percent change in employment numbers. So for computer and information research scientists, do you want to guess the projected growth rate for 2020 to 2030? And I'll tell you this, the average for all occupations is 8%. 
So do you think computer science is higher or lower? Definitely higher. higher. (laughs) Unanimous agreement. Do you want to guess? Triple that. Triple that? (laughs) What do you think, Erin? I was thinking 48 Oh, I love where you're going. I think you're, see, she's already in the future, but you're pretty much spot on there, Tamika. It's at 22%, okay. which is almost triple. But the point is, it's growing so fast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we're not in Silicon Valley. We know that. We're here in Georgia. But Georgia has actually some of the highest computer and math jobs per capita, which is surprising and amazing. What's your reaction to that, Erin? Is it even more important that we're exposing students to this early Oh, yeah. Knowing those statistics um, and knowing the opportunities we have in K-2 and K-12 um, to have our students learning about computer science, I mean, it's our responsibility um, to prepare these students for the jobs that it's hard to even say will await them because mm-hmm. they already are um, awaiting them. And so, yes, I definitely feel like it's our responsibility to prepare students for these jobs. And I feel like the Cobb County School District recognizes that because recently they have implemented um, a K through 12 computer science curriculum. So that is something that is being taught in middle schools through high school, but it's optional in elementary setting. And another thing I'd like to add is those jobs, it doesn't say um, X number of computer science jobs for boys. Um, it's jobs and we, we've got to prepare all of our students Um girls, students with special needs, other underrepresented groups um, for those jobs as well. So that means involving all of our students in computer science, not just the smart kids in an after-school club, right? um, but all of them. The every kid. Yes. And I know not all of the students that you guys are working with now will make this their occupation, but how does computer science prepare them for success in any occupation as adults? Um, I remember going on a adult teacher field trip. It was with the Cobb Teacher Leadership Academy um, STEM division. We went to Home Depot. And the question was, what do, you know, employees need to work at Home Depot? It wasn't learning, you know, the job trade. It wasn't learning the, um, you know, the logistics of the job. It was those soft skills working together with a partner, being able to follow directions, um, using creativity to solve problems. So these are skills that, you know, that are needed, not just those job embedded skills, but the soft skills are that comes from computer science that I observe and heard from a Home Depot executive saying, this is what we're looking for in employees. Anything to add about the benefit to their future self? Oh, she said that so she beautifully. Said it so well. I actually heard a keynote speaker at a conference just yesterday talking about how those soft skills are growing on that list of things employers are looking, looking for. for. And I think coming out of the pandemic too, you know, we've all these those kids were at home for so long. And so anytime we can give them the chance to work with each other to solve a problem with their cohort. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just so vitally important. Vitally important keywords. Well, help us understand what exactly they're learning. This may be over my head, but let's talk elementary school. These are young learners. They're ages 5 to 11. During that span of years, what general computer skills are they being taught? You go first, Tamika. So the basic general skills that I know that I can teach my kids are the the terminology. I introduce the terminology as young as kindergarten. 
algorithm, step-by-step instructions to solve a problem. We talk about brushing your teeth, getting ready for school in the mornings, getting to the bus stop. That's an algorithm. Ah. We talk about loops, repeating, um, sequencing. Um, We talk about debugging, how to fix a problem within your code if you see a problem. So I teach the vocabulary, um, but I don't really, you know, hone in on that. I try to be more hands-on, but I need them to understand what you're doing, what is it called, and, you know, how does that work? So the vocabulary to me is really important, but more importantly is getting them hands-on and seeing the the vocabulary words come to life. Erin, you've seen some of these skills in practice, I think. Oh, yes. I have a great story about that. Just recently, I was in our um, third and fourth grade. It was actually a third grade class in their coding class. And they, the teacher had them doing a block-based coding activity on code.org at the first part of class. And then the second part, they knew they were already going to get to get in the floor and program their robot to go toss a ball into a cup or something, you know, something fun. And and the little girl that I was watching turned around and she looked at me and she was like, this on the Chromebook is okay, but I love getting in the floor and coding that (laughs) robot. I'm like, here is a girl in South Georgia, you know, programming a robot as a third grader. I just, I love it. It's so exciting. And she wanted to get on the floor with that machine. Oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. How do you both integrate computer science instruction at your schools? You may have some different approaches. We'll go with you first First on this, Erin. Yeah, well, I'm at the district office, and so I get to see what they're doing in all of the schools. And we've really tried to help our teachers come up with creative ways. Of course, they do coding in a separate coding class, but, you know, working with them to understand ways they can incorporate those skills in the regular classroom as well. Um, we had a second grade teacher just recently using B-Bots, which are little programmable robots. It looks like a bee. Mm-hmm. Tamika's and nodding. She knows We're that. the yellow jackets <laughs> yes. in our oh, system. So, you know, we, we have ordered <laughs> all the bee bots. That's right. <laughs> but they had drawn a map of the state of Georgia on the floor, and it's the second grade standard to learn the regions of the state. So they were programming the robot to travel to the different regions and then using their Chromebook to do a little research about the region of Georgia um, that they had programmed the B-Bot to go to. So they were working together. They were collaborating. They were using research skills. Um, It was just, that's what we want to see. I love that story. What do you have, Tamika? How is computer science being integrated at your school? Yeah, so in the past when I had my K-5 STEM lab, um, it was science-based. So everything we learned about all the science concepts, the water cycle, force in motion, light and sound was taught through robotics. So, for example, students will take chart paper and they will draw a model of the water cycle and then program Sphero. It's a robotic ball. And um, they had to program it to each phase of the water cycle. And the cool thing about Sparrow, it can talk. So if you program the robot to talk, it will say, this stage is precipitation, where you have water, I mean, rain, sleet, hail, snow. Then you have to program the ball to the next phase. And that's not easy because you have to think mathematically how fast you want to roll the ball, how slow, the distance, um, and understanding the concept behind the water cycle. So mine was pretty much science embedded. But then I would use these little tiny robots called Ozobots for ELA. Yes, they're little tiny spares. They're so tiny. I want one. But the cool thing is it uses color to code. So like red, blue, and green will move it forward. Like green, black, and yellow will move it zigzag. So the students will read a book 
and then use the Ozobot as a character to summarize what the character did in that book. So they will say, you know, the character was afraid of the thunder and lightning, so it rolled into the home. So it has to code the robe, the little Ozobot, to move forward, zigzag, and spin into the house. So it was just really fun bringing content and computer science together to, you know, pique their interest more to learning the science concept or an ELA project. This is so dynamic. I can't see students being resistant to this. I mean, they're having the best time. Right. Ashley, so you mentioned misconceptions. I think a lay person or even a teacher who hasn't implemented computer science may think it's just writing code. Mm -hmm. But there, it, there's so much more to it. Um, and more it, than ones and zeros. Oh, exactly. Way <laughs> yes. more than ones and zeros. And I don't get ones and zeros. You don't, we don't even have to go there. <laughs> Let's not. Let's not. Well, what challenges do you face in integrating this type of curriculum? Anything come to mind? So one of the challenges I see, um, you know, currently in my school, um, teachers will ask me to come into the classroom and implement a science um, activity with the robots. And the issue I see with that, I, I don't mind doing that, but I want them to see that you can do it too. So mm-hmm. they're dependent on me. But like we talk about this today, we want more teachers to get involved with computer science. And the more I can model it for them and do it and with them, um, I will hope that they will be more comfortable doing it. So um, that's one thing I would say will be a challenge, just getting more teachers involved and letting down those walls of apprehension. Encouraging and, them to yes, run with it. Yes, Yeah, and I think time is always a concern mm-hmm. or issue. You know, K2 teachers feel like I have to teach these kids how to, how to read um, right. <laughs> and how to do math. And so I think it's just helping teachers understand how you can integrate computer science with those other standards and other things they have to teach their students. And this is equally foundational in a digital age, right? Of course. Reading, writing, computer science. Absolutely. The trifecta. (laughs) How can all teachers integrate computer science? So maybe they're not a science teacher. Any successful strategies? For me, code.org. I feel like that is a foundation. Um, I started with code.org. They had... um, professional development, and you can go on their website and you can see, you know, all the instructors that are in the area and they'll come to your school and train you. And we do um, not right away like coding on screen. What do they call it? Uh, Screen. um, um, (laughs) Unplug. Unplug, yes. Unplug coding where you use body movements and directional um, cues to, you know, complete up a program and then you get into the website where it has like different activities and games K all the way through 12 Mm -hmm. and if you want to take a little bit further code.org does take you to that deep computer science understanding of JavaScript and C++ and they have courses that you can take but code.org for me was the foundation to get started that's a success strategy Yeah, code.org is fantastic because they make it so engaging for the students you know there may be um, a game from a movie that they recognize Mm -hmm. or a cartoon character that they know and everything on there is just so turnkey and it keeps up with the students progress and when I say turnkey I mean the teacher can pretty much just tell the kids get on Mm -hmm. code.org and it walks them through everything they need to know and do. Do you have any other teaching tips for teachers out there? Let down your guards let your inhibitions go and just do it 
make mistakes, like Erin said, but don't be afraid to fail. It's so you're, freeing, Tamika. Yeah, you're getting in your way, your own way. <laughs> right. Or find another teacher that you can yes. collaborate with. That's a good idea. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. look on Twitter or Facebook for groups, um, you know, that you can follow and, and get ideas because you may be the only one who's interested in doing this at your school and you feel like you don't have anyone to yeah. collaborate with, but go online, look for a professional learning network online as well. That's really good. In your experience, is this type of instruction relegated to just the science teachers and the math teachers, or, or can, can a teacher in any discipline take this up and implement? Absolutely, any discipline. Um, you were talking about the regions of Georgia. That's what social studies, mm-hmm. and it's also talk about that in science. I think any subject is you can implement computer science. And, and Tamika mentioned reading a book and then yeah. drawing the story and having little Ozabot um, robot follow the story. So that's literacy. It's computer science. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well-rounded curriculum. Well, we know one way to get kids interested in computer science is to make instruction fun. And you two have proven that computer science instruction is already fun. But I'm talking about games. And GPB released a new game called Claw Control. And Aaron here was involved in that. Erin, what was your role in the development of Claw Control? Yeah, I just kind of provided the K2 perspective on um, how students would be able to follow the directions and and play the game and some insight for what might be appealing to, to kids. And I, the finished product is now out, and it is so much fun. I actually um, got to have my first grade son's class tested out. And this is when it was still, you know, being tested. And oh the teacher gosh. sent me a text and said, please don't take this link away. Like, can we have this? <laughs> oh, the kids awesome. love this. And so what the kids have to do is um, that they're little goshlings, little characters. They're and so cute. Yes, they're <laughs> so cute. And so they have different tasks to do at an arcade. And so really it's, really it's, you know, those logic model activities we used to do where, you know, only one person can be doing something at, at a the time. Same time. Yeah. And so it's just a hands-on um, version of, of a logic model that involves decomposition. And that word is used in the game. So there's a problem, only one goshling at a time. And where do they need to go in order to complete all the tasks? Um, but it, it was been so, it's been so interesting to go from you know, the sketch of the game to then watching kids play it. And GPB did a great job with that game. That's and the awesome. game itself, for our, our listeners, it is exactly like the machine in Toy Story, where the little oh, yeah. aliens go, the claw. <laughs> that is the game. And all the little goshlings have little jobs. It's really cute. I played, in case you can't tell. I actually got on there yesterday, and I played every level available. And oh, wow. before I knew it, it was you know time to cook dinner. I just got too engaged. But That's it was really fun. fun. Adults can play. Kids can play. And they can play at gpb.org slash claw control. It'll take you right there. But gosh, those goshlings are so darn cute. Have you played, Tamika? I have not, but now I'm definitely going to go home and play after this. Your students are going to have to play <laughs> the music, and, the colors, Aaron. And for teachers, I think it's really appealing because the students can just click the link and they're in. They don't have to have an account, mm-hmm. or yes. which can be in a, a barrier sometimes. But it's pretty much just click and go and fun and you're learning and it's awesome. Click nice. to play. Brilliant design. Good job with that one. And hopefully everybody will join and play. I would not want to game against either of you, for the record. (laughs) I would never do it. What's on the horizon for both of you next at your schools? Anything to tease? 
Well, last year at the height of COVID, I introduced um, coding and robotics using Kibo robots. Now, Kibo are these square robots, and they use bl- like actual blocks. So then you take the Kibo, which is like boxy looking, and you scan each block to do, you know, the algorithm or the program. So um, it was a small group. Um, my principal allowed me to have a really small group of maybe six K through two students. And so I'm thinking about bringing that coding and robotics club back this year. Things are kind of settling. So I feel like our kids really need it. And they keep asking me every day, that's a great when you going to have the class again. Yes, I've definitely had to bring that back. Bring it back, Tamika. Aaron, what about you? Well, not necessarily at our elementary level, but at our middle school level, we've been asked to pilot um, and have some teachers involved with AI for Georgia, oh, artificial intelligence. So, cool. but you know, because I feel like we're training these kids in elementary school and um, they've already developed so many skills, I'm excited to see what they learn in that AI um, course and what those teachers are able to develop. Very well, exciting. Thomas and Cobb counties have got it going on <laughs> thanks to Aaron and Tamika. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you Thank for having you. me. You guys are awesome. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Classroom Conversations. No matter where in Georgia you're logging into your computer today, just know you're a great teacher. Goodbye.